Who's the donkey? Who's the donkey? Who is the donkey? Who is the donkey? There's only one Tyson Fury. I broke my back. What do you mean by that? Your back is broken. What a vertebrae or what portion? Spinal. Hello, hello, hello. Here we go. Here we go, yes. Welcome back, everyone. You are locked into the sounds of Jab and Weave, and you're back again with your two favourite boys for another breathtaking episode. How you, how you doing, my good old pal? Mate, the amount of times you have another breathtaking episode, I'm going to be out of breath the next time <laughs> you say that, mate. It's like I've gone for a run or something. Nah, mate, I'm, I'm quality, mate. Things are going good. Things are going fly. I mean, where do we begin? University starting soon. So uh, you could almost call it the... The last dance, as a uh, Michael Jordan had in his uh, in his documentary, and that's what it's going to be for people like me and you and other fo- uh, fellow uh, final year students. So, yeah, mate, just getting ready for that. How about you? Yeah, similar to yourself, getting ready for uni, looking to go late September back to. Actually, I'm not even going to say my uni. Don't want the girls knocking on my door, you know, screaming <laughs> thousands of fans, you know, shoot, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, you know, I've done what we've done two years, done a placement year, so worked in an industry which is really good, insightful, same grown massively, a lot more confident, seen skills that I never really thought I had beforehand, creative, should I say, but looking forward to go back to finally, I really miss, I've missed the Lions, I've missed smashing through a whole season of a box set in one day, you know, I've missed the freedom, me and my mates used to live in a house, so Back to them shenanigans again, but I am going to miss my mum's cooking. Shout out, mum. Probably not listening, but yeah. <laughs> she, hasn't, no, she hasn't got Spotify. She didn't want a Google Nest, so jokes on her, right? <laughs> oh, mate, I was about to say that. Google Nest, bloody. I'm still waiting for mine to come through the post because that was an absolute finesse of days, mate. That was, that was crazy, literally. I'm going to, I know my sister's going to get mad at me, but my sister showed me it on Wednesday. And then as, she, as soon as she showed me, I was like, all right, yeah, got on my Spotify, ordered it, then literally got confirmed later that night. She didn't order her till Friday. Then they messaged her like, oh, sorry, we've run out. Then she started like getting upset. I was like, you showed me on Wednesday. Why didn't you order it when you showed me? <laughs> getting into a proper tantrum, just thinking. And then she even tried, can I have, I was like, can you have what, mine? Are you joking? <laughs> you can go get the Amazon Alexa or something. <laughs> Mate, Alexa, Siri, all of them. I mean, Google, I just think fair play. I mean, I haven't got mine, but I'm looking forward to taking it back down to uni to be fair but it's funny because you mentioned obviously like the placement years made you more confident it's kind of made me giggle a little bit it just shows how humble you've become like aj because you're a confident guy beforehand i don't think i don't think you that placement year made you any more confident nah, but you know no, what I mean? I, no it has it has i think yeah yeah i was confident before and you know what i mean but mate getting to the workplace i got humbled real quick you know what i mean but now i've seen my <laughs> confidence grow in a more mature way should i say i think anyone could be confident around mm. your friends or new people but kind of in a workplace knowing when's the right time to talk, like just keeping on top of deadlines, like handling certain situations in a professional manner. You know what I mean? I've definitely grown, grown in confidence in that sector, but you know, I'm not going to give all the praise in my workplace. I say it's due to my internship as well, but yeah. <laughs> you could definitely tell Sean's a great interviewer because that was fantastic. Like the way, he, the way he answered that question was fantastic, but obviously um, it's a bit, it's a bit weird because it's not like there's been that many fights going on currently in boxing. I know we were spoiled with uh, August, with uh, Fight Camp and various other fights. But obviously, the big fight that happened recently was Daniel Dubois. You fought uh, on the weekend. Um, and what do you make of uh, make of that fight? 
Yeah, uh, two weeks ago to correct you. Sorry, sorry, yeah, two weeks. I, yeah. I know it's not an interview, but yeah, correct. I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you thought a Ricardo Schneider? I think it was. I think he was a last minute replacement because I can't, I can't quite remember the name of his original opponent. But yeah, fought him. Um, yeah, what what can I say? A throwaway fight, you know. Dropped him three times in the first round. Uh, left left of the body. It was really working the body. Uh, Dubois looking good. Great shape. He's looking quick. I think one thing that kind of stuck on to me, I remember, I don't know why it kept ringing in my mind when you said um, about Killer Instinct with Dylan White. And when Dubois dropped, dropped um, this Schneider, like whenever he got up again, again, just straight on it. And I guess that kind of what makes, should I say, your your future heavyweight champion, should I say. So it was good to see that. I think, I guess it was a stepping stone for the joyous fight, which we're all going to be looking forward to next month. But yeah, it, it was a throwaway fight. It wasn't a tough opponent, you know. You know, Frank's going to be really careful with him. He's his prodigy. Don't want to don't want to do an AJ chucking him, chucking him with a reason. Out goes a plan out the window, you know what I mean? So be careful with the selection of opponents. But onwards and upwards with Dubois, I guess. Mate, 100%. And obviously, you mentioned these, his opponent's name, Ricardo Schneiders, and I'm just thinking of flipping Wesley Schneider. Wesley, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like Holland, <laughs> Inter Milan, legend, you know, won the treble with them in 2009 and 10 season. Mm. Mate, yeah. Funny thing is, the guy is Dutch, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, he's not too yeah, far off. Oh, what, well, this, uh, this one, Ricardo? Yeah, Schneider. Yeah, yeah, that's, what, yeah, that's yeah. what I would have thought. Yeah, because Wesley's um, Netherlands as well, wasn't he? Yeah, so... He was linked with United at one point, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. Mate, who weren't we linked with? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, well, maybe that was every man and his dog. I can't remember. Well, one <laughs> or the other, eh? I suppose you didn't say football manager. You've been milking <laughs> that in recent episodes. Oh, yeah, me, I was on football manager. I did this nah, and that. I, I didn't have a laptop. You know, fair play, Daniel Dubois, but... Yeah, but yeah, fair play to Dubois. Good yeah, to no, see. it's funny because like obviously with Daniel Dubois, I think he's number two now in the WBO rankings, isn't he? Uh, say that again. Sorry, I think I missed that bit. I think he's in the um, he's number two now in the WBO rankings. Daniel yeah, so Dubois. yeah, that came out this week, didn't it? That now he's number two in the WBO rankings, which is is crazy. I don't know how they got to that estimation. I don't know how. I I don't know. I guess we can talk about it now, but I don't know how that all works. This whole getting high ranking. So I know, I understand with Dylan White, when you fight under the WBC like regulation, that's how you kind of progress within their ranking. So I'm sure Dubois and Frank Warren, Frank Warren have been working with WBO, but he, he's number two. Whereas um, I've done a look at the rankings itself. I think Joyce is number 11. So it's absolutely crazy. So is it kind of like UFC when they fight, if Joyce does beat him, does Joyce now jump to number two? I'd like to think so, but then, it makes me question, like, if you look at Dubois, like, he's the fighters he's fought. He's fought, like, Fujimoto, obviously Schneiders, um, who else did he fought? Gorman. I, I personally don't think how that's got him to number two. Considering yeah. the fighters, like, you know, Oscar Rivas out there. I think Joseph Parker's on that list, isn't he? Not yeah, I, I, literally, I was going to say to you, let's quickly just go through, well, at least the top five, you know what I mean, in that WBO ranking. So we've got, number one, we've got Usyk, uh, two, we've got Dubois. Three Parker, four Pulev, and five Ruiz. Mate, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, Daniel Dubois is a prodigy, but I wouldn't fancy him against any of those five. I don't know how he's jumped there. No, yeah, another. I'm. I'm a bit. I really do think that's one thing. I think boxing can definitely work on. I know. It's, I know the rankings in UFC is another funny one as well. But if you look at boxing alone, I don't get how Dubois is number two. I know he's mostly been fighting against fighters who are on the WBO rankings, and I know he's been fighting mostly under the WBO governing body. But honestly, like. I don't personally see Dubois being there because let's say, right, hypothetically speaking, AJ vacates his belt. 
that means that Usyk is going to fight Dubois and that is too early for Dubois. I really don't think that's a good fight yeah. to take at this stage of his career. Definitely. And I, think I was even going to add to it. I think, we've, like, I think we mentioned it before, all the different belts and all the things that the WBO got going on. Just having a look here and I know his fight with Teddy back in 2019 was for actually for a WBO international intercontinental heavyweight title or whatever's going on there. So I don't know whether that's propelled him up to the rankings of number two or whatever, but it's crazy. And I think, again, just to echo your points before, and none of his opponents have kind of been up there. None of them have been experienced fighters, you know, what, Fujimento, Schneiders, Lati, Gorman, Dorian Darch. No one really of, of, I hate to disrespect them, but no one really of value of high ranking <laughs> to propel him to where he is now. You know, if he, if he beat a Pulev, okay, I understand chuck him in number four WBO ranking, but none, none of his opponents have been highly recognised. So, it's strange how they've done it, but good luck to him. I just, you know what I said about me and my fast track, and I just don't want him to get rushed, man. I just really don't want him to get rushed. No, no, 100%. I, I, I hear that, but I just think sometimes with boxing as well, sometimes you get these opportunities, right? And if it was me, and say if AJ does vacate, you're going to have to take the Usyk fight. It's like Anthony Yard when he fought uh, Kovalev. Yeah, An yeah. opportunity like that comes along. Yeah, it was probably a bit too early for him. You can't say no to a world title fight. It's just, it's just one of them things. Like If you say no to a world title fight, I genuinely do think of what are your aspirations. Yeah, it might not be the right time, but it's like having a kid almost. Sometimes you have a kid and it's probably not the right time, but you just got to have one. You know what I mean? I'm not... <laughs> no, Sonny, you're good with analogies. What was that? Sometimes you have a kid, but yeah, you just got to have one. <laughs> no, 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 what I mean, what I mean is sometimes you might get caught in an entanglement or two and you yeah. know, one thing might lead to another and, you know, say, say, you know, there might be a kid involved or something. Okay. It might not be the right time for you because you might be, I don't know, focusing on your career or, you know, you might be somewhere else in your life and, you know, you're just going to have to have that kid and support that kid. Like, you can't do anything about it. And it's similar with, like, boxing. You know, if you've got a world title fight, you're going to have to take that world title fight and make the most of it. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Jeremy Kyle. So, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> if you have that kid, just have it. You know what I mean? Just, just stay together. Just have it because you've heard it. For, you've heard it here first from Dr. Sani. If the kids, if the bun's in the oven, just have it. Like, there's no, there's no going back. You just got to do it. You know, Mike should sponsor you, mate. Just do it. You know what I mean? Just do it. <laughs> Sony Dilbar, you are the father. <laughs> and then flipping the woman just starts running off or something or whatever. Oh, that was that was, that was a guilty pleasure of mine, Jeremy Kyle. I tell you that. Back in secondary school, you used to go on YouTube, watch like the funny reactions and whatnot. I used to love it. I told you he's not my kid. I'll never sleep with you. I told you. I slept with your mum. <laughs> I mate, what cracks me up is when like at the end, Jeremy Carl's like he's been shouting at him all flipping episode, and at the end he acts like he's his best friend. He gets that Graham guy who's like, Oh, you know, Graham will support you through anything now. And he's just giving him like a DNA test that's saying like, you know, he's been sleeping with her, her own brother or something. It's just like, mm -hmm. mate, what the heck? Graham's not gonna sort that out for you. Like, I'm sorry, it's just not gonna happen. No, uh, well. Fake or not, that was great to you, man. I told you, I used to love it, I used to love it. But on to, on to more serious matter with Dubois, I think. <laughs> Seriously, now, yeah, but... Um, we always go on these flipping, like, U-turns and three-point turns and, you know, reverse around the corners and all sorts we do, like, all sorts of detours. Mate, you might as well call us a UK government, you know, another U-turn here, they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was going to say, speaking of U-turns, obviously, you were meant to go away, but obviously that's a U-turn Yeah, I did some content meant to go to Switzerland with my sister, but obviously, I think Corona numbers increased over there, so... Uh, well, British Airways didn't want to take us. They didn't want no one flying in, no one flying out. So I had to do a U-turn and sit my bum right back down in the sofa. You know what I mean? Wasn't going nowhere. So 
Yeah. All it's funny, all about man. the U. It's all about the U-turn. Yeah, man. Honestly, all about the U-turns. But one one person who hasn't done a U-turn is Frank Warren. You know, he's kept loyal with this whole Dubois Joyce, and hopefully, I know you mentioned it earlier about having that fight next month. Um, I was just going to ask you, do you, do you envision fans being there? Obviously, we had Brighton, Chelsea. They had um, 2,000 home fans, was it? So, mm. do you think they're going to kind of replicate that? Or do you think we're we just going to have a, another behind-closed-doors situation? It's a good question, to be fair. I might be talking from a biased standpoint. I know we're meant to be balanced analysts, per se. and Not even in our day-to-day jobs, but even on this podcast. But, <laughs> I mean... Personally, I mean, where we're sitting as well, because as you, I don't know if you guys are aware, but me and Sean will be attending this fight if their fans are taking place. Where me and you are sat, Sean, we're on the bottom tier. Not trying to say anything like we're VIP or anything, but let's just say we're not in the stands. So they might do something where they might just say, okay, everybody that was on the in the floor seating, you can come attend the fight, but we might space you out in the seats. Or they might just say something like, everyone in the VIP section or whatever, you can come to the fight, whereas everyone can't. Because the thing is, even with the floor seating, it's not like there's going to be social distancing, let's be real. You might have to like have fans in one row, split the next row, have fans in, in one row, split the next row. It's like, how are you going to do it? So I'm optimistic. I think there will be some fans because this fight, you just you can't have it behind closed doors. Like I know White Povetkin was a bit of a push, but this fight, you cannot have behind closed doors. So if it was me... I can see there being fans, but if there isn't, then push it back a little bit later. Why not? You know? Mm, yeah, I think I echo everything you're saying. I think given that we have got tickets, we'll be a bit biased to say, yeah, we do want to be there. Obviously, they have built this whole kind of British, uh, European title clash, whatever. And obviously, Frank's really pushed this since it was announced when back in, was it June? No, when was this originally announced? Was it what, the schedule fight to yeah, October. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the summertime because because their fight was meant to be in July, remember? Yeah, well, that's when it got pushed. Yeah, but obviously it's been we were meant to have this for a long time now, and I'd really love to see this part. I don't know. On the flip side, I think because Eddie gave us White Povetkin, obviously in his backyard, like he done Klitschko, could Frank <laughs> do another thing where in an arena I just think, you know what? Let me kind of match Eddie with his White Povetkin with a Dubois Joyce. I don't think it'd be. I don't know. Maybe domestically it'd kind of be. Mm, I don't know, would that be the same level? But I don't know, maybe Frank would want to match it, you know. It's a good question because, I mean, White Povetkin has more of an international recognition, I'd say, than yeah, yeah. a Joyce Dubois. Not only because, like, especially White is more of a character, but Dubois and Joyce, they're still... If you ask, I don't know, your average Joe on the street about Daniel Dubois, I reckon 100 people, I reckon 10 people might know. With Dillian White, you ask about 100 people, about I'd say at least 40, 50 of them will probably know. So mm. I think it's about recognition and maybe Frank Warren White just think, okay, they might, not, they might not be as well known, so I might need to put this fight. But then it's just like, that's a big domestic heavyweight clash and everyone wants to see it. So oh, I don't know, mate, it's, it's difficult. If I was in Frank Warren's boots, I wouldn't want to be in them, to be honest with you. So I don't, I don't uh, you know, fathom what he's going to be going through now. I don't envy him either, so yeah. But yeah, nonetheless, I think we're really looking looking forward to it to kind of see what happens. I think I am still back in Joyce. He's a lot more experienced, a lot more seasoned. I know I've had a few back and forth with my mates. My mate thinks Joyce is just a bit too slow, too sluggish. But I think, I don't know, watching the fight against Snyder and I even watched his fight against uh, Lati, he, he, he really leaves himself exposed. His chin's really out then. I think someone like Joyce, who's got that experience and he's been in, Joyce has been in the ring with him. Um, Hergovic, I'm sure, in the amateurs. I think Usyk as well at one yeah. point. So he's not been in with no shabby boys, you know what I mean? So I think someone like Joyce will kind of exploit that. So 
And again, Dubois is a young man. What is he? He's, he's, our, he's our age, you know what I mean? No, Adama Traore. He's actually <laughs> a lot closer to our age. So we're still, we're still learning and growing as it is. Even I know Titan Fury, he was at the um, BT even complimenting Dubois, saying that he had a sparring session when he was like 18 or 19. And like, yeah, he was toying about with him, but he has got good potential. He does say he's a good kid and he will be at the top of the class very soon. He doesn't, he doesn't, he didn't think that they would meet their pass would cross anytime during his kind of reign. But I don't know, Jabari is really good and I I just don't want him to be rushed now. And I still think I still think there's a lot more people he's got to go through. He's really got to test out a lot. He's got to try like an Andy Ruiz, kind of a smaller, fast hand. He's got to go for a Parker kind of a defensive guy. He's got to go for a, a Chisora or a White, then really coming out, chins out there, scrapping so there's still a top people he's got to fight. Even even Takam, I'd love to see him get to Takam before we kind of chuck him in this WO number two ranking because even him, I'm sure he's going to get all excited thinking, oh, Frank, I want a title fight. I want a title fight. And I hate to say it, yeah, maybe he does get a title fight. If he does miraculously win against... Actually, we'll even beat... If he does miraculously win, I don't know who against. If he does, I don't see him defending that title for long because there's still some active dogs in this division, man. <laughs> Mate, 100%. I just think the names you've racked off, like, he he needs to fight at least one or two of them before he gets a title fight. And if he doesn't, then fair play to him. I mean, you know, I know there's always, you know, teachers' favourite pets and stuff in school, but I don't know why he's not. He's, not, he's probably Frank's favourite dog, but yeah. as for, like, the other <laughs> fighters, I don't know, mate, because I think it's a very, very tricky one. But so speaking of tricky... There's a potential new fight lined up between uh, Terence Crawford and Kell Brook. Now, that's a really interesting fight, I think. And the only reason I say it's interesting is because, firstly, I thought Kell Brook was going to go up to um, light welterweight. Sorry, yeah, sorry, light middleweight. Um, so that was one aspect. And the second aspect is, obviously, Crawford fought Amir Khan, who is Kell Brook's eternal enemy. Yeah. So my question to you is, yes, they, this fight is edging closer, but... What does it really gain for, you know, Kell Brook? Because I can't see him beating Terence Crawford. And it's not like he's at his preferred weight as well. So I don't, I don't personally see the logic behind this fight. And I don't know how Kell Brook's got it as well, to be honest with you, because he hasn't looked that impressive in his recent Honestly, fight. Honestly, I was going to say this is a win for Kell Brook if he can get this. Because, mate, he just fought... Was it that he, that DeLuca guy, didn't he? In a mm. super so, obviously, we know Crawford is um, well away with the WBO belt. So if you can get this, this will be like a big, big payday for him, surely. And it's a huge robbery. I don't know how he's got this, but I'm sure. Obviously, we all, we all want to see uh, Crawford against like either a Portar, a Pacquiao, or a... Um, oh, my God, Errol Spence. I forgot his name there. Like one of the... Um, <laughs> I forgot who they're with. Someone's with PBC, and then we know Crawford's with... Um, who's Crawford with? Top rank. Top rank. Top rank. Sorry, yeah. We know top rank and not doing the whole merge, which is so annoying. And I know we touched about it like on previous episodes about boxing and the whole promotional bodies and whatnot. But I, I don't know where they've got Kel Brook from. I don't know where they've plucked his name out of a hat or whatever. But mate, you know what I mean? He's got the new sneakers. He's won the raffle. Take, take it, you know what I mean? I don't think the result will go in his way because I think he is done. He, he's done. He's at the latter stage of his career. But you know what? This will be a nice payday, a nice way out. Then just maybe fight a few people on the domestic scene and then call it a day because he's had a good career even his win against Port on uh, welterweight IBF I think he won back then mate mm. that was I was surprised he beat Port and I know Port had a fight actually recently 
absolute scrap. I don't know if you had an opportunity to see that, I think, last week or so. Fantastic fight. So, uh, I don't see Kelbrook doing damage in this welterweight division at all, but fight against Crawford, he'd be silly to turn that down, you know. It's like a fight against Canelo or Loma, so opportunity to stand up. And I know he's highly recognised Crawford as a, what's he called, pound-for-pound number one, isn't he? So, I guess there's an opportunity to kind of show his worth if he's got any left. Not even, yeah, I mean, not yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I was just like, you know, he's there. AJ, you know, won't catch this smoke. Who's he calling for now? Like Terence Crawford <laughs> or Kelbrook? No, he's going to be shadow boxing a flipping uh, I'm a bit curtain next. Man. <laughs> Mate, no, like, to be honest with you, right, it makes sense for Crawford, in my opinion, to take this fight because Crawford, yeah, he's recognised in the boxing world as like, you know, top pound for pound boxer, but not many people globally know his, uh, his name. Mm-hmm. So that's one aspect. The second of all, if he's really serious about fighting, you know, your, um, your Errol Spences and your Sean Porters and all those kind of names, Pacquiao, whatever, right, in the welterweight division, he needs another like fighter who, yeah, he's not what he once was, but he's still got like a decent level of boxing to him. And Kelbrook is definitely one of those fighters. Yeah, he wasn't the same, especially after like Golovkin broke his eye socket. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Errol Spence made him quit effectively because of his eye. So there is that to be considered. But I think it's a good fight for Crawford to take. As for Brooke, um, it's almost, it's like, like you said, it's almost like a swan song. It's almost like, okay, I've got a final few couple of fights and then I'm done. Like it's over. It's like, I've got to hang up the boots, walk off in the sunset. And it's just going to be the massive question of like, listen, I don't want to, I, don't, I know you don't like it, Sean, but it's going to be back to the whole thing of, oh, what would have happened if I fought Amir Khan? Yeah, 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 that'll get, yeah, that's definitely going to happen. But I don't know, it's just because I know there was talk about this, I think, even before lockdown, and I, I just really don't know why. I don't know what, what they, what's even the matchup. Is it because Brooks, maybe, is it because Brooks beat Porter, so they want Crawford to face? Brook before maybe uh, Crawford versus Porter. I don't know what they're trying to get him ready for, but it's just a weird one. Like this world weight is, this world weight is really. There's a lot going on. I think this is my outside heavyweight. It's probably my favorite division. You know, we've got some top names there: Spence, Crawford, Pacquiao, Thurman, Porter. We got him, Garcia. We even got my uh, Mikey and Nick. Is it Mickey in it? Mm-hmm. Mickey Garcia, Mikey Garcia, we got a U gas. So. It's not Mickey, it's not Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Mouse is Clubhouse. <laughs> no, we got oh, Danny Garcia, sorry, not Mickey. Why did I say that for? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. he's kind of forgettable, Danny Garcia, because we all know what happened with his dad when he was racially abusing yeah. Thurman. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we've got Ortiz Jr. in there. So we've got some names in this weight division. So for me, Brooke is just, Brooke's not even an active guy in the welterweight. I don't know why this matchup has happened, but. I don't know. You know what? It's probably a, a win-win for both of them. You know what I mean? Crawford is someone who has been in the world weight division, was recognised a few years back, maybe past his best and a, a, a quick payday for him. But for Craw- uh, Brooke on the, on the flip side, a quick payday for him, you know what I mean? Whatever happens, happens. 100%. And, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, you know, that fight... I just think it happens just for the sake of Kelbrook getting a nice payday because I think he's kind of been a bit undone in recent times. I think Eddie Hearn kind of sold him under the bus for the Triple G fight. I don't think he should have ever made that fight for him. Kind of almost ruined his career kind of in a way, especially because like I like your eye is important anyway in in, in, in your um in your life. But in boxing, it's like if you can't see out of one eye and that gets damaged, you're going to be blind for the rest of your life. So mm-hmm. that was not a good fight for um, Kelbrook to take in the first place. So hopefully it happens. And then from there, hopefully, you know, I I think we're both in agreement Terence Crawford wins that fight and then hopefully he faces the likes of Yerrell Spence's, Yipak, Yells, et cetera, et cetera. 
But another, obviously, few happenings that have been happening in the world, let's just move aside from boxing, is um, England national football team. Obviously, they've been back in the UEFA Nations League and um, they recently played uh, Iceland. Didn't really watch the game. Thank God I didn't. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there's a lot of questions I think they have, they have come out from that game, Sean. I mean, I don't know if you watched the game. I don't know what your thoughts on it, but um, I'll let you go first and then I'll, I'll proceed after you. Yeah, I think even before we get into the game, I do need to say that, yes, I am English. I know a lot of people were like, what's going on? Like, hating Michael Keane, hating all the England players? Yeah, I am English. Don't worry, I'm half English. I'm Nigerian, <laughs> so I do a cheeky, whoever's winning is whoever I support, you know what I mean? But I think for me, just, I don't know, that I think that England team just doesn't sit well with me. I think we mentioned it before and I'm not going to not gonna get myself angry again, but there's just, I think Gareth is really good at <laughs> in there, you know what I mean? Some players I don't think deserve to be there, but... It is what it is. He'll make it work. But yeah, back to the game against Iceland. I think even before the game kicked off, I remember um, what year was the Euros when Iceland knocked us out? And I thought, oh my God, that was a... That 2016. Was a, I thought that was a funny, funny time. England thought they're going to run through Iceland, but hang on, you know what I mean? Put the brakes up. But yeah, it was, it was a weird game. You know, I think the minute I didn't watch the game, I just, I can't lie to you, I'm really not interested in this Nations League. I think, yeah, football's back, but I think no one really... No one cares about international break unless it's World Cup. Mm. I hate to say it. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll be the guy who says it and takes all the shots and all the <laughs> negative comments, but no one cares about international break. But yeah, I guess it's good to see the boys working together. Uh, from the Kane miss, I think that was definitely onside. Walker's red card, that was a silly tackle for someone who really mm. knows they want a yellow to do that. Stupid. Uh, Gomez giving away a pen. Pickford, why was he in goal? Actually, Wait, let's be positive. Let's be positive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think England got away with that. They were so lucky, but they looked, I don't know, they looked all right. I like, I like the attack, Sterling, Kane and Sancho. That is a really nice attack. Young, dynamic, vibrant. Even you got the, you could slot in Rashford at any time. And they brought on Ings. Don't know why Maitland-Niles got called up. I really don't know. Again, we're keeping positive, keeping positive, but... Yeah, I saw, I saw some positives from that England team. They're obviously young. I think some of them, it's the first time working together. Declan Rice had a good opportunity. I think it was in the first half. So, it's looking good. And obviously, it's just Nations League. I think if it comes to World Cup, a lot more competitive kind of scenarios. It would have been a lot more on it, a lot more serious. But yeah, that's, that's, that's my take on the English. On the English, yeah. <laughs> I'm really surprised, Sean. I think, I don't know. I think you're a bit mellow than I thought because I'm not going to lie to you. Like, Fine, I didn't watch the game and I'm glad I didn't, but I just, I've said it for a long time. I think Gareth Southgate is grossly, grossly overrated, mate. I really do yeah, think yeah. he is. I think 2018 happened and I think he put an up, he spun the media with all his passion and, you know, the Southgate song and whatever, right? And it's just like, if you look at it, if you look at the, the nitty and gritty, right? If it wasn't for pens, if it wasn't for like a few, you know, questionable incidents happening, right? Mm. England would have made it out of the group. That's one, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at us, like when we played against the, the better teams, Belgium, superior. Yes, they've got a better team, I understand. Croatia, a lot of their teams aging and with a lot older, they played us off the park, basically, especially in midfield, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you're looking at the current state of like, especially the European side of football, because obviously it's the Euros next year. I genuinely can't see how we'd beat the likes of, I don't know, the French team. I don't think... I know they didn't look great against... Um, I think it was Sweden the other day they played. Um, yeah, I know they don't look great, right? Germany, Spain, again, they're kind of like almost... 
transitioning you know through their next generation and they've got some talent especially germany's front line you've got portugal who i think are going to be a threat next year personally yeah you've got the likes of italy and holland who they've had a little transitional period now they're going to be serious about things you know i genuinely can't see how southgate is going to be able to turn this around like i'm not saying we've got a golden generation just yet right let's you know pump the brakes on that but the players at our disposal and who's going to be coming through the next coming years, I genuinely don't think Southgate is the one. I really don't think he is. I think I we got lucky against Arsenal. Let's be real, like that penalty happened. If they scored their penalty, which was a shambles, it's 1-1. Disgraceful result, especially against Iceland. Because mm. Iceland is not the team of what they were like, you know, 2016 when they came through. Like We know how they play. Everyone knows how Iceland plays, right? Furthermore, gr- like you got players like Greenwood, Foden, right? You should. You want to start. You want to start them straight away. Trippier should not be anywhere near. No, I'm going to stop you. I I, I think Greenwood got rushed into the team. If I'm being honest, I would not have put really. Him. Yeah, I wouldn't have put him in the senior squad. I'd have left him in the under twenty ones. It's too much pressure on the young man's shoulders, man. And I think I, I don't like this when we put a young guy. Yeri's playing. You know, I am a. People are going to be like, this guy's not United fan either. God, like one one week he's not English, next week he's not United fan. But I don't know. It's good. Yeri, he's doing well, but he's still young. Like I just. I hate putting a young guy in because he's he's on form and then obviously get back to the regular season and obviously because he's young, he's not going to be playing as much. He's not going to be on form and then you take him out of the squad. What was the point of bringing him in? Can we be honest? Is Maitland-Niles ever going to be in a single squad again when the likes of... Where's he... Well, I don't know if he's playing right back or centre mid, but when the likes of Wambasaka gets a bit better, Reece James gets a bit better, uh, Max Aarons gets a bit better, Maitland-Niles not being back in the squad. So what was the point of bringing him in? Maybe yeah, just it's nation league group game, whatever. But I just I just don't like bringing people in who that who they're not going to bring in again. Callum Wilson is not coming back in. I watched the thing on YouTube where the England players were trying on the kits. I looked at him and I thought, mate, I have more of a chance of getting back into the squad. <laughs> Honestly, man, I don't know why he was there, but maybe this move in Newcastle will help him. But I know I know we're doing a bit of transfers later, but I, I hate bringing people who have no intention of working with them in the near future. James Will Prowse is not coming back into this England squad. Mm. God willing, I'm going to pray and fast for the next however many years Michael <laughs> does not get back into this England squad either. So many of them are just not coming back. But yeah, I think, I know I know you said about Greenwood, but yeah, Greenwood I wouldn't have brought in. Foden I would have. Foden has been really well with uh, Man City. But Greenwood, I just think, he's a lot younger than uh, Foden, I believe as well. I think two years or so. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I just... It's too much too soon. It's too much too soon. Listen, I, I hear what you're saying, right? I'm not saying, like, I get the whole pressure aspect and all that, but I just think sometimes there's always that thing of, like, if you're good enough, like, if you, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you're good enough to play, like, you will play. And I think the one aspect I will say is, like, if you keep saying about, oh, you know, Southgate's got his favourites and stuff, like, maybe it's just worth giving these young bucks, you know, a shout. And the thing is, as well, is if we want to win and we're serious about winning a major tournament, we need to know right now who is going to be the players who are going to get us to that team. Like I think like if we look at the England team, right? Henderson, he, I know he didn't play obviously this game or whatever, but he's definitely going to be CDM when it comes around. He's not going to be Declan Rice. Yeah. I think Foden, I just really want to see Foden in that English midfield. Someone to drive with the, with the ball, right? I mean, he's going to be key. Yeah. And I just think we need someone else who can just control the tempo in the midfield. And yeah, I think they're going to bring in Ox. James Ward-Prowse is not seeing that team again. Ox is definitely going to be there, or even a Mount. James, James Ward-Prowse is not seeing that team again. 
Jeez, you really do have an agenda against Southampton. Like, <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's not. He's, he's not going to be near it. He's not going to be near it. He's not going to be near it. Uh, uh, it's not an agenda. It's just I don't know. I just because they all get excited. Like, oh, I've got the call up. He start doing videos. Oh, yeah, Gareth's texting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mate, calm down. It was probably a plus four four. You know what I mean? But just <laughs> they they get their hopes up so much. Like, you're not going to Nations League. You're just here because a few players have dropped out. We've got a few injured. You were in the form, like, come on, Ma- Madison can easily, would I say easily, Madison could possibly replace Foden, if we're being honest. Mm. We're, we're, we're good with strikers, you know what I mean? We've got Kane, we've got Rashford, we've got, I don't I don't see him playing any anyone else really up top. I think, okay, Ings is a good backup to have. I don't see Greenwood making that kind of, getting that game time. But whereas if he was playing with the under-21s, He'd be around the lights of other young people, Drew Bellingham, you know what I mean, Saka, and he'll be playing more consistently, more regularly. He's coming off the bench. And this is exactly what I was saying about Dean Henderson. We've got good, yeah, they're young. The way to make them better is let, let them keep playing. Look at Raheem Brewster at um, Swansea, getting the game time in, not just sitting on the bench or waiting for our, look, waiting for Daniel James or right mid to have a bad run of game. You know what, let's chuck you on right mid. Like, let's, let's get them active with the younger squad rather than chucking them in the seniors. But... I don't know. You could you could look at it two ways. I know people are going to be like, "Wow, this guy really hates really hates a young young development. Really hates a youth." <laughs> I've gone from one week to loving young boys. To it's hate so him. funny because you're saying that, and in a couple of episodes, you're like, "I really like young boys." <laughs> you, you're saying this, and then the, that's what you said the other the episode. You're like, you know, I love young boys, and it's just like, all right, Sean, all right, we get it, mate. Like, you know, you're trying to cover yourself here, but nah, hundred percent. I get what you're saying, and also you mentioned young players and stuff, and there were two young players who um who got caught up in a, in a little something, who thought they were flipping in an Aya Napa after A-level results, having the time of their lives. But what I mean, clearly, lads holiday. <laughs> lads holiday, but clearly England away doesn't work like that, especially when you're in Reykjavik in Iceland, where you can't exactly have an Aya Napa kind of a holiday. But yeah, mm. I'm on about Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood, the two Manchester lads. Yeah, so literally, I've gone from hating the young boys to praising them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, just to add a bit of context, so obviously we've just... We're not we're not in Iceland. We don't know, but we've just been reading from some of the news media outlets that they've been sent back because obviously they've broken some of the pro uh, the Corona protocol rules, which was um trying to bring girls back to the hotels. You know, my left the left side of my brain is saying good on your lads. The right side is saying, ah oh, lads, what you done? You know what I mean? <laughs> but you know, <laughs> it's just one of them things. They, they, what are they? Nine twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. So. They're young guys. They're always going to be young. They're still going to have a bit of growing. Obviously, I guess they, they both had a bit of game time this week against Iverson. So I think it's no harm, no foul. And it's not a case, whereas we're never going to see them in the squad again. They're, they're definitely our future. They're our bright sparks. But yeah, I guess it's a shame they missed the next game. I can't remember who our next game is against. Uh, Den- Denmark. Uh, Denmark. Yeah. So they missed the next game against Denmark, but I'm sure Gareth will make a way. It will be funny if we lose without them. That would be really funny, that. <laughs> the irony would be ridiculous, to be fair. Mm. But, mate, like, honestly, like, I don't know. I, it's a funny one because, listen, like, yeah, they're probably not going to play the next game and stuff, but, listen, boys will be boys. What can I say? Obviously, you're the bit... You know, everyone says, who is Sean's worst enemy? And it's always going to be Sean. You know, he's on about his left side of the brain and his right side of the brain. You know, <laughs> he is... He has a devil in himself that he's always needing to control. So, you know, he's definitely going to be a funny one. But it's funny because, like, obviously, like, I know recently there was Jack Grealish during, like, quarantine. He got caught up in a in a bit of an accident, um, funnily enough, near my area, to be fair. Okay. So, um, 
obviously he had like, I think he had like a bit of a party. He crashed into a car. He ran off. Yeah. It's just like, what, you know, these incidents I think happen too often. And it's just like, they need to just, you know, tell these lads, like, listen, get your head screwed on. I mean, imagine Roy Keane got a hold of these in the dressing room. Bloody hell. I was even going to say, I think, I can't remember who I was listening to, but they were like, like, you've got to remember, we are humans at the end of the day. Like, just because we're footballers playing week in, week out, we're no superstars, no superheroes. They are humans. They've got, every, everybody's got needs, you know what I mean, Sonny? Mate, if I was in Iceland and I just won a game, I'd be calling the local blonde girls as well. So, mate, I can't blame them. <laughs> mate, no, I'm not going to lie. A lot of the women in Iceland, they're probably like strong women. I don't know if you've seen like CrossFit, Rich Froning and all okay, that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Netflix, mate. There's some strong women over there. So, mate, they're definitely on about big dogs and stuff. There's some big dogs in Iceland. So, you know, you, you know I'm thinking about getting Iceland mixed up with Sweden. That's why. But you know what, ladies, <laughs> you're all beautiful. We don't care where you're from. <laughs> exactly, mate. Everyone is beautiful in their own way, but... You mentioned superstars. Uh, one superstar he's done a U turn, and to be fair, Sean, you did call it so fair play. He's Lionel Messi. He's obviously had a U turn uh, on his um on his contract and his career with Barcelona. But you must admit, he's being kind of forced. He's probably got a gun behind his head saying, You have to stay here for this season, and then you can go after that. I think, yeah, so obviously, just a, a bit of background on that. Obviously, they got their dad involved, and the dad mentioning the whole how the um 700 million release clause was crazy. Then I know La Liga stepped in saying that, yeah, that was. That's actually part of his contract. And I think Messi even said something that he loves Barcelona so much, like he would never, ever take them to court. So he's going to be there for next season. Like I said it, man. It was all smoke up everyone's ass. you know what I mean? Oh, look at Messi. Look at Messi in the Man City shirt. Oh, look at him in the United shirt. Oh, like, oh, he's going to be working with Ronaldo and Juventus. Like, calm down. It was never, never happening. I think if Barca have another poor season, which I kind of envision them doing... Well, I don't know if if they don't win the league or do well in Champions League. I think maybe yeah, he will leave because what it'll be thirty four, thirty five then. So I think yeah, it'll, it'll be the best time to leave during the summer then and just a two seasons in Italy or England as everyone wants to see. Hopefully Stoke get promoted and everyone see him in Stoke on <laughs> a Tuesday night, wet night in Stoke. You know what I mean? But <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens with Messi. I think it'll be nice to see what Koeman does with that Barca squad. I know there's so many exits being talked about, so many new people that he wants to bring in. You know, Fatty's doing amazing with Spain. So the young boys, you know, I hate them, but they're proving me wrong in different countries, eh? But yeah, <laughs> we've got Fatty, little 17-year-old doing well in Spain. So probably be a lot more implemented in that um, Barca squad. Obviously, Coutinho's coming back from Bayern. Is he, I think he is, isn't he, this season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coutinho's come back from Bayern. So, obviously, you've got a Champions League winner there. So, it'd be good. Well, should I say a treble, treble champion winner there. So, it's good to see what Koeman does. Um, I don't know. Have you got any expectations of Barca? League, Champions League, copy the round? I personally think, I mean, it's good that you mentioned, obviously, transfer talk. Because, I mean, there's obviously talk of Suarez potentially going to Juventus, which is crazy. Uh, Genie. Wine Aldum's there's big talks that like Kuman wants him at Barca. But if you just look at like look at Real Madrid, like how stacked they are, I can't see Barcelona beating Real Madrid for the league next season. And mm. on top of that, I can't even see them getting ahead of Atletico next season as well, because Atletico got a pretty nice squad as well. So Barcelona are gonna be some trouble in Champions League. It's gonna be they're gonna need a lot of players to win the Champions League because there's some scary good scary good looking teams in the in the Champions League next season. So mate, it's gonna be interesting. Obviously, you mentioned um like the, I mentioned the Dutch midfielder Genie Wijnaldum. We've signed our own Dutch midfielder, Donny van der Beek. What do you think of that signing? Yeah, uh, interesting. I wouldn't um You sound interested for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 
he says with a smile on his face. Um, <laughs> no, you know what it is for me. I think we'll touch on it, but I think I'm just really frustrated that Chelsea have got so many signings and we're we're here just waiting for Sancho. Yeah, we've got Van der Beek down the down the down the line, but I, I don't even know if it's the right signing because obviously I know he plays. I, I believe he plays centre attacking mid for Ajax, and obviously we've got Fan, Fernandez there. And people said, oh, we can be box-to-box midfielder. So I guess Oli's going to kind of have him, Pogba, uh, Fernandez, and Donny in the midfield. And obviously, that's basically three attacking midfielders in my mind. <laughs> I, mean, I don't see any of them wanting to track back or play holding defensive mid. So it be interesting to see how that works. But it's a good signing. It's, a good, it's good that we're bolstering our rotation. Obviously, being in Champions League as well, we're going to want to be putting out good quality teams in that. Uh, FA Cup as well. I'm sure Oli wants a piece of silverware to kind of justify all his spending over the past two seasons. You know what I mean? And I, I would say I'm happy with the price. Like, you know what I mean? 40 million, you know, knowing United, this would have dragged on for three weeks and we would have just given him 60. So 40 million, I think that's a fair price in today's climate. I think for me, just on the United front, I just, I, I just, I don't want us to chuck 120 at Sancho. I really don't. I know we spoke about it before. But if, if we can't get in, there's other right mids out there. We still need a left back. We still need a centre back. You know, Harry Maguire looks like he's about to go on his own transfer to Greece. Greece, Greece, United. <laughs> so, you know what I mean, we need another centre back. I don't know if we're going to shift out small in. We need to get rid of Sanchez. I don't know if that deal with Inter's confirmed. Literally stepped into the dressing room and, and I wanted to leave. Shut up, mate. He's shouting rubbish about he came into one training session. You came to one training session. They gave you 420k for the week. How about you wanted to leave and go back to Arsenal? BA. Mate, he's there playing Beethoven or Mozart on piano, so he's not moaning at all yeah, about, oh, I didn't want to leave after one yeah. training session. Rubbish. But here's a name for like a, a right mid that I'm just going to put to you that, you know, we could even get him on the cheap, to be fair. He scored a goal the other day. And I think he's pretty decent, to be fair. Um, his name is Young Philly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something crazy then. I was just thinking, he scored on the weekend. Like, <laughs> Don't come with me with that soccer raid. Yeah, they're doing their charity work, but whatever. <laughs> you could dominate that midfield and like chunks, do you know what I mean? Uh, you know what? I did, no, you know what? Young Philly actually played quite well. I watched the highlights with the soccer raid, I guess. Yeah, they're doing their charity work and it's nice that they still put it on, given everything that's going on. You know, Essex boy, good to see Mark Wright in there. Go on, Essex. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. I like the whole England versus the world, whatever. Familiar celebrities here, they're everywhere. I would say for once, for one time ever, I was more fixated on the commentary and the kind of the, the side panelist, which was my jam, if I'm being honest with you. Oh, yeah. That, kind of oh, had my, that had more of my attention than the game itself. But it was, yeah, Philly played well. Good friendship with him and Chunks going on there. Good to see that. Yeah, no, 100%. I just mentioned as a transfer, but be like jokes aside, obviously, um, Chelsea, you mentioned Chelsea, they're doing absolute bits. CH, Werner, Chilwell, Havertz. I'm kind of worried, mate. Like, they've got some solid players out. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to win the league next season, but it just makes me think, Sean, like, what are we doing? Like, we need to pull a finger yeah. out of our arse. And just Literally, like, I guess, obviously, having their transfer ban uh, for the last season, they kind of had that money there, but obviously selling Hazard to Real Madrid for 80 million and then... Uh, they got, got rid of Morata as well, didn't they, to, to Athletic on a permit for £50 mm. million to kind of have that money there anyway. But, mate, they've really bolstered up their squad, literally left, right, centre. They're still in talks to get a keeper as well. They want to get that, um, what's his name, Onuma. Is it Onuma? Yeah, from Ajax. Ajax, but, mate, 
I'm no Chelsea director, but all I'll say, never trust a black keeper, mate. That's one thing I'll say. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, mate, they're, they're, they're not playing no games. You know what I mean? They're really, they're really here for the taking. I guess they're seeing what Liverpool and City have done and just saying they're not going to be left behind by it because let's be honest, Liverpool and Man City are in a league of their own right now. They are, even they're the top two, you know what I mean? So someone really needs to kind of step into that race and break them up. So it'll be interesting to see what Chelsea does. You know, you can get the best names, yeah, whatever. But look at City, they still had nine losses. Chelsea are very inconsistent this uh, last season. So it'd be interesting if, to see if Frank can make it all work. I think they definitely need to shift some people out of there, though. I think uh, striker, they've got too many for me. Giroud, Bashwai, Werner and Abraham. Like, mm. it's going to be frustrating for some of them. I know they want to get Bashwai on a loan. Obviously, they've got him on high wage. Obviously, Giroud is nice to have their backup. I think centre mid was when I looked at the depth, it was massive. You've got your Barkley, Loftus Cheek, Jorginho, you've got Kovacic, you've got Kante, you've got uh, Harvets now, you've got uh, what's his name, Billy Gilmore, you've got Mount. So, mate, they've really got a lot of people, and it's going to be difficult to make everyone happy and find what's your best team, what works well. So, it's good that he's got the names in, but Frank's got a mission in his hands now, I think. Yeah, whatever they've bolstered up their defense with uh, Silva, and I don't know who they'll play next to him. But Chelsea in for it. But United need to take a leaf, a page out of their book, and like get a kick up the backside and try and get their own players as well. You know, get a bit of squad rotation, get your team a bit deeper. Hundred percent. You mentioned deeper, and I was going to crack a really bad joke, but I probably won't say it because it's a bit inappropriate. But obviously, <laughs> Everton, 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 Everton. <laughs> Everton are doing pretty good to be fair I don't know if you've seen the players they're going to be signing like they signed Alan from Napoli yeah, Alan, used to yeah. work with Carlo Ancelotti James Rodriguez from Real yeah. Madrid is going Everton you know Decor. when I saw Everton were linked with Alan I was thinking what the heck how did how they pull that out of the bag and I realised oh Ancelotti oh I forgot that they had him as the manager but you know what I'm not I'm, I'm not threatened by Everton I don't care they can buy anyone they want Messi can go there for all I care Everton will still come 11th <laughs> There's, there's just such a substandard team. And I, I hate so many of their players. I hate to say it, you know. I say I hate their players, but if I was to meet them, I would be getting a picture. But, mate, I hate <laughs> so many of their players. Like, from Pickford to Michael Keane, you know what I mean? Everyone knows they, them two tick me off. So, Everton are <laughs> straight away. And I, you know what? I hate Toffees as well. So, it's just perfect. It just all works together. Stupid club, honestly. This, I'm not threatened by Everton. You- you think he's a bloody Liverpool fan. I know, like, he mentioned <laughs> all or nothing Man City the other day. And obviously, you know, he was happy with what, how Liverpool are doing. But, mate, mate, I've, you know what? Fair, I just think fair play Everton. Like, at least they're doing something in the transfer window. Even Newcastle. Like, look, look at Newcastle. Like, they signed Ryan Fraser on a free from Bournemouth. Great bit of business. Mm. And they've gone even better. And they signed Callum Wilson at a cut rate, like 20 million, which is yeah, so cheap yeah. in today's market. He'll get you 10 goals in the Premier League easy. And... Fair play Newcastle. I know the deal with the Saudis fell through, but they're still spending money. Yeah, and yeah. again, it shows if these clubs are, you know, spending money, then, you know, why, why can't we? Look at, look at Leeds. They signed Rodrigo from, I believe it was Valencia. That's another, I think that's a cheeky signing, you know, that's signing a, a player like a him. Signing. Obviously, we know Valencia in a bit in the need for cash as well. I'm surprised they haven't got a GoFundMe going out yet, but <laughs> hopefully things work well on their side. But yeah, United really do need to step it up. I know, yeah, it's good being linked with this, that, the other. Even look at some of the teams behind us. I know Wolves signed that and Fabio Silva, the 18-year-old. Very good striker at Port. I've seen a few, like, obviously seen a, a few YouTube um, videos. 
you know what I mean? Goals and assists, Fabio Silva, skills and tricks, whatever. But he <laughs> does look good, you know, young lad. I know they also signed that Marcel. I think he was a defender. I think he's a centre-back, so they've got him as well. You know, Tottenham are linked with him. Will Hughes, I believe. So it's, it's, looking, it's looking exciting. For me, I was even saying to my mate, like, you'd never have guessed, like, we've had a global pandemic. The transfers that are going on, everyone being linked with whatever. Even got Arsenal, Jesus Christ, getting um, Gabriel. That annoyed me because I know... I, I always hate it when United and Arsenal are linked with a player and he goes to Arsenal because mm. I've got a mate who always rubs it in, like, oh, yeah, you know, he's Arsenal a bit. Oh, yeah, we've won the FA Cup. I say, mate, he's not going to Arsenal. He's going to Arteta, you know what I mean? Get it right. But, yeah. That's another shock as well. We've been giving Arsenal a lot of stick, but... You know, they, they, I think they signed, um, obviously we know they signed William, they signed, they signed another centre-back and it was Gabriel as well, yeah, not yeah. Gabriel from Villarreal, but they seem to be, you know, doing all right as well. But obviously you mentioned, um, you know, transfers and, you know, signing players and one player that could be going to Arsenal and it could be, you know, reinvigorating what he wants was, was Jeremy Lynch. Uh, you know, the man was there saying about how, you know, on the ball, I was the best that the club had ever seen, even the first team. And players like Burkamp and bloody Henri were at the club. And he's That's what I was thinking, like yeah. He was like, oh yeah, 15, that was the best. I was thinking, all right, calm down, mate. You know, you're not about smoke up your arse. That is definitely blowing smoke <laughs> up someone's arse, for sure. But, you know, hopefully we get a few signings. And, you know, if we don't, then, you know, all this hype around Oli and trophies, it's going to go down the drain. You know, we did we work. All right, fine. It might have been a bit lucky, but we worked very hard to get top four last season. So we don't want to exactly, you know, drop out of that top four now, for sure. Mm. But I anyway. Before, yeah, before we leave the transfer, I was just going to mention that um, I'm surprised that some of these Norwich players ain't been picked up. I know Jamal Lewis is linked with Newcastle and you mentioned they've been great business, but I really thought like Cantwell, Pukki, I really thought, um, is it Buendana? I forgot his name. The right mm. mid, I think. I, I really yeah, Buen, yeah Buendia. Well. Yeah, Buendia, that's the one. I really thought some of them would have got picked up because they had, they had a very decent season, some of them, you know? So it's interesting yeah. to see them going back to championship. I'm gutted, mate, because I can't put Timu Puki in my fantasy Premier League team <laughs> of the season this year. Although that's we can go through that later. Five but... million striker, right? Mate, my team's looking a bit dangerous still. I'm not going to lie. My team is looking dangerous. But anyway, we'll leave fantasy football. But speaking of dangerous, Novak Djokovic obviously recently was out of the US Open for something that was deemed reckless and dangerous. What do you think of that, Sean? Yeah, so obviously I'm not not a massive tennis fan like yourself. You know, I know you're a federal party in, weren't you? You were both going for Corona. <laughs> but thanks for the invite. But yeah, um, Djokovic, <laughs> for those who didn't see, I think he... Um, smashed the ball back to the um, ball girl and smacked her in the face. I don't know, for me, it, it, it just wasn't intentional and it was really a high ball, you know, when they are passing the ball back, it is normally low. You normally see them going into that kind of cricket position, getting the ball safely and all of that, but it was really high, but I, I never knew people get suspended like that with, within tennis. I really thought it was a bit I think it was a little bit unfair, but obviously I don't make the rules, you know what I mean? It's, it's an unfair world out there, dog eat dog, so... <laughs> Mate, big time. The only, thing, the only thing I will say is like, I mean, it wasn't a ball girl, <laughs> it was a bloody lines woman, so it was almost like the umpire kind of thing. Oh, right. um, but it's like, he's the number one player in the world, and if you don't punish him, then other players are going to be like, okay, so you didn't punish him because he was number one in the world and, you know, he's very, very close to beating Federer and Nadal's record for Grand Slams. So it makes me question that. And then I put, I put it to other people like this as well. So say if there's a player like Nick Kyrgios, everyone knows what he's like, his temperament. If he'd done something like that, he's probably getting banned for a couple of years, never mind, like, you know, having to withdraw from the tournament. So I mean, I had to make an example. And it's not like the first time this has happened with, like, Fed, uh, Djokovic. He's had a few run-ins where he's almost 
hit an umpire with his racket or his ball. So, you know, it was bound to happen. Mm. But I think the worst thing for him is the fact that this tournament, there was no Nadal, there was no Fedras. We had a very, very big opportunity to win his 18th Grand Slam, putting him one behind Nadal and two behind Fedra. So that's a big lost opportunity. And now we're going to go to the French Open where it's Nadal's playground. So good luck to Djokovic, but it's really bad. And they don't look good as well because when he, let, when he had to exit, obviously, he walked straight out of the arena, got in a taxi and off he popped. He didn't re- exactly stay for a press conference or anything or explain, you know, why, why it happened and how he's sorry. So it's not exactly a good look because I know he started his own little player association as well. Um, for basically, he wants earnings to be split evenly, which I respect and stuff. But, you know, players aren't going to be wanting to go to association like that where the player does something like that and then how he reacted as well he you know i know he put an insta post out afterwards but it just doesn't seem right in my opinion don't sit right with me but hey Djokovic is Djokovic, and uh it is what it is as they say yeah it is what it is you know what i mean we move but i don't know i i, I really found it unfair it just it wasn't intentional but rules are there for a reason you know what i mean and i know we had a little deliberation of the kind of i don't know he was talking to some of the officials there and I guess they deemed it just inappropriate. And I guess, yeah, you have got to kind of, you got to, you got to set the president, you got to set a standard. You know what I mean? If any other player did that, I'm sure there would be penalties. So it's got to be a, the same across the board and off you go. That's how you know this man is confident. He just says, set the president, not set the precedent. And he's like, oh, just said, carried on. No, <laughs> I, said, I said president. What did I say? President? You sound like, yeah, it sounded like you said president. I was like, okay, yeah, Trump's not here at the moment. And, the, you know, the elections <laughs> aren't happening soon. But, you know, I like, I like the confidence. He just carried on. He's, un- you know, he's unnerved. He just carried on, you know, spitting what he's spitting. And then he just finished his statement off. I love it. But, you know, I pick up on these you know, things. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. I know what you meant. And what I definitely meant is obviously F1 and bit of a shock this weekend but one of our unsung heroes Pierre Gasly won the Italian Grand Prix and what a feel-good moment that is Sean absolute absolute crazy race crazy I've never seen obviously I'm only recently into F1 and I've never seen anything like it I didn't even expect there to be a red car for that Leclerc crash because I know it was completely off the track there was no like debris nothing of his car on the track so it was crazy to see that but Hamilton boxed when um, the safety car was out, got penalised for that. Then obviously Stroll was second and everyone thought, oh my God, Lance Stroll's going to win. But literally, complete, just mayhem. But I'm, I'm happy for Pierre Gasly, you know, I know it's the one-year anniversary of his um, good mate, Hubert, who actually passed away during the F2 crash. I can't remember the track it was, so that's kind of a nice little thing for him. And, I, I, and there was massive injustice for me everything that happened to him at Red Bull, like they, they got rid of him so quick and obviously replaced him with Albon, who's doing absolute terrible, you know. Again, if I was to meet Albon, I'll be the first one asking for a picture, but, you know, Albon's doing absolutely terrible, mate. So, I don't know, is it a case of Red Bull going to be calling him back? But hopefully, I, I really hope he doesn't go back there. Good young lad, what, 23, 24, a lot of potential. I think just enjoy the rest of the season. I don't, you know, not many of these kind of smaller teams get a podium, let alone win the race. So massive, massive for the team. I am a massive Carlos Sainz fan, so was upset to see him come second and not win it. But I'm I'm happy nonetheless. You know what I mean? It was a great race. You know, say to my mates, not every day Hamilton. You know what I mean? We know that Mercedes car is fantastic, but chill. Give the Renault, give the McLarens a chance. You know, so good, good little race that. No, no, I echo exactly what you're saying. I think it's great to see. And I think that's one thing that F1's been lacking in recent times, the competitiveness within other other teams. Like there's not many people left 
um, in terms of other like you know cars. So like you said, obviously you got your Ferrari, Red Bull, McLaren, uh, not McLaren, so um, Ferrari, Mercedes, and and Red Bull. But these other teams, they need to like kind of close that gap and see a Pierre Gasly win. You mentioned everything he's been through. It's great to see. It's just a feel good moment of like, listen, if you're, if you're a good if you're a good racer and things go your way, because I know with the pit closing, it's a bit of a funny one because it wasn't exactly Hamilton's fault, but it wasn't the team's fault either. So it's a bit of a funny one. Like you know, I know Hamilton said he takes responsibility for it, but it's a bit hard for her, like him to have the blame for that. But listen, Pierre Gasly, you got to take your moment when it comes to it. And the whole thing with you know Red Bull taking him back, I don't know what to think about that, Sean, because I think it's a bit weird if like you've got obviously Verstappen's your main man. And then your secondary drivers, Albon or Gasly, and it's like you can't always like chop and change. Do you know what I mean? It's not like football yeah. selection where you can, you know, change your midfield or your wingers or like your strikers kind of thing. It's going to be a bit yeah, difficult. Be, be like Pep changing your fullbacks every season. Mate, he got so much. I mean, I started watching. It's funny because I started watching all on a courtesy of Mr. Sean Howard Solo, who kept saying <laughs> about like you need to watch, you need to watch it, and you know, it was it was a great series. I'm not going to lie, but. It also like exposed a lot of things with Pep, how he just overcomplicates so many things for just, yeah. I don't even know why, just for the sake of it. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think back to the point with Red Bull, it will be, I don't know, it's not nice for a driver to always be coming out every season, you know. Even the, the new driver, whoever they replace the album with, because I hate to say it, I don't see him there anymore, you know what I mean? I think Red Bull kind of reminisced the days of having um, Daniel Ricciardo, you know what I mean? Having him there, him and Max getting P4, P5, P3, even I think Ricardo even won one of the races before getting a few podiums. Whereas Albon hasn't. I know he's meant to get that win. I can't remember what race it was where uh, him and Hamilton have a little crash or whatever. But he's really not done well, and I, I don't see him there long term. You know, Red Bull really want to be pushing against Mercedes and for well, whatever say Ferrari this season, but really want to be up there with Mercedes. Should I say? And Max has done fantastic for the car and the the team he's against. So they want. Obviously, when when you see Max doing well with the car, you need someone who can replicate that because Albon can't have any complaints with someone like Max who's got the exact same car, exact same specifications, coming in third or even winning races, whereas you can't even get a podium. So, unfortunately, I don't see their long-term. I think some young names are going to chuck their Lando Norris, George Russell, you know, they're doing well. We, obviously, Carlos Sainz mm. and Ferrari. I'm sure he's going to regret that because Ferrari can't change their cars till 2022. So... It's going to be a really difficult season for him next year, and he's doing bits right now with McLaren. Obviously, I guess Daniel Ricciardo will pick that up for him. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in a few years. And obviously, we know we all expect Lewis Hamilton to kind of break um, Schumacher's uh, record with regards to the polls and the amount of championships won. So it's, it's really good to see what's going on right now. 100%. You obviously mentioned Ferrari. They can't change a car and it was their home Grand Prix and it's a bit of an abysmal display to be honest with you. And obviously, hopefully they, you know, change because I've always had a soft spot for Ferrari. Obviously, Renault's going to be back next year. They're going to be called Alpine. They're going back to their blue shade, which Alonso won back in like 2005, six. Mm. So um, F1's looking vibrant again. It's good to see. And obviously, God knows where Vettel's going to go. But as long as um, he doesn't go to the Gulag, everything's calm. So, <laughs> But as always, Sean, it's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, for you guys out there, remember to stay safe. You know, us teenagers might be getting, well, not teenagers, but young adults might be getting a lot of stick with coronavirus numbers going up, but stay safe. And as always, see you next week, guys. Peace.